So, how do you think you do riding the rails with the hobos? Ooh, on the trains? Not yeah. good. I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, I, I am afraid of uh, ski lifts, and I imagine they're similar. <laughs> so, so you probably couldn't hop on a train. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I've only been skiing. That's really why I never skied. You know, you think. That guy from Colorado grew up here. People always ask, oh, you ski a lot? No, I'm afraid of ski lifts. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think I could hop on a moving train when I'm scared to uh, stand in front of a ski lift. I don't know what it is about the ski lift that scares me. I get being nervous about being up high. But yeah, you are high. Honest. I used to have a fear of escalators. Hmm. Um. Not so much going up an escalator, but going down. I, I like feared that um, I would just start falling. And I would go, I would, when I was, until I was probably about 13, <laughs> I would uh, find uh, elevators, avoid escalators. Really? Yeah. Cause you figure for a neurotic person, elevators would be scarier than escalators. Cause at least you're not enclosed. It, it was just the fear of just like, okay, so you're an escalator, the ones that go down, it's just like, it just it keeps going and going. Oh yeah, what if your pants got caught under there? You get drug <sighs> under. Yeah, well, I don't want to like re-harvest this fear right now. And then I'm now scared yeah. of escalators. There's so many things you could be afraid of. I was at a basketball game once, Nuggets, and uh, at the game we were at, I wasn't on the escalator, but you know, have you ever heard of escalators that just like malfunction and go really fast? Okay. That sure. happened, and a bunch of people got injured. What were you? What was your intro? I just hijacked it. Uh, just whether you could ride the rails, and then I, I mean, I was, it was gonna lead into: Do you think you could make it from like the East Coast, no. like start in Baltimore and make it out to San Francisco with like two hundred fifty bucks, and then you got to get from across the coast? Mm. Do you think you could? It, like you run out of money and you're doing you're either hitchhiking or riding the rails you know and it came to it do you think you could uh shoplift you need food yeah i think i'd want to say think? no but if i was inhabiting that lifestyle and i was desperate i think you'd have to i i would do it i think from a big big chain store though not like a mom and pop store yeah why are you morally just like you know walking in there planning it out like the like uh isaac does in this book yep all right yeah that was a good intro because uh one of the characters in our book club book of the month american rust does ride the rails um welcome to there will be books a special episode about american rust i'm peter joined as always by matt Matt, this month we read uh, Philip Meyer's book, American Rust, his first novel that came out in 2009. Um, I think we both wanted to read this book for a while. You had read his second book, The Sun, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which came out in 2013. Uh, the Sun was made into a AMC TV show and actually American Rust is being developed into a TV show right now. But that's later on in the episode. This book, um, kind of a general overview, is about five characters, I would say, in Pennsylvania. And on one level, it looks at the dying coal mine towns or steel mill towns of Pennsylvania. And then on the other hand, it looks kind of at a close relationship of friends, family, and what you're willing to do for yourself and what you're willing to do for others. Uh, I don't know, like, should we go into the plot a lot or, cause there's think, some. Yeah, some there's a lot, we don't spoiled, need to, but. yeah, we don't need to spell it out. I think maybe, I think we give the bare bones and maybe the incident, I think yeah. we kind of, I think we can describe the incident cause it's not a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Just a heads up, there's a crucial moment like 30 pages in and, mm -hmm the plot springs from there and we yeah. won't detail how it yeah. evolves, but I think, yeah. So it's, 
like you said, it takes place in a, a just a dying yeah. town in Pennsylvania, Buell. Buell, which I think is a fictional town. It's, it's fictional, but as a stand-in for mm-hmm. you know, what's happening, and it's all the factories and the steel mills and everything else associated with mm-hmm. uh, you know steel or mill town life. Yeah, started going downhill, and it's kind of people living in the aftermath. And the two main protagonists are a kid named Isaac English. Yep. Who was like really, really smart, really brainy, but kind of scrawny and short. Mm-hmm. And Billy Poe, who is former football player, could have probably played Division three in college, like gone at least gone to college on a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. That was like his ticket out of the dying town. He didn't take it. And that's kind of a, a one of the other themes in the book is everybody either wants out or feels guilty and regretful at not getting out. Yeah. Um, so this, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I really love the book. I think it's an excellent book um, for yeah. a lot of different reasons. I think it, it's a, you know, the cliche American novel or, you know, the great American novel. I don't want to put any label on this book, but I think it, it taps into something, a lot of things um, that go on in this country. And you talk about the ticket out of town or, or leaving town and leaving people behind. You know, there's a lot of just passages where I came across where I was like, I just got to highlight this. This is like mm-hmm. a smart observation. So in in this area, it's it says it's, you know, there's kind of two age groups. There's the older people, um, you know, the retiree kind of, but still have to work because they don't have any retirement essentially. And then there's like the young 20 to teenager crew who, you know, they may have a kid too early and they're just sort of stuck here. There's no middle ground, essentially. Yeah. You know, the, the people who would normally work have been forced to leave or take jobs where they make half as much as they used to. Oh, yeah. And well, so Billy yeah. and Isaac are, yeah, are, did I say his name right? No, Poe. Yeah. Billy, Billy. Poe are 20 out of high school and don't have a lot of options um, as far as it, it, it's interesting. One of the quotes I wrote down that I thought was just great is um, let's see here. Uh, at one time, at one point, Poe goes, you ought to be able to grow up in a place and not have to get the hell out of it when you turn 18, which I yeah. think is a really, it's something that I think a lot of places you, you grow up in a, a rural community or a community that's tied to a industry. Maybe that industry is dying and your options are tied to that industry. There's no really other options. And it's just the, the, the lament of well, what am I supposed to do? I, I have to go off to somewhere I don't know. Um, some of the other characters in the book, um, Isaac's sister, Lee, she is equally as smart as him older. Um, well- She's the interesting one because she actually got out. Yep. Um, like, so Isaac's ticket out was his brains. Mm-hmm. And his older sister is really smart too. And she actually went to Yale. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the book, she graduates Yale and she's got, she married a, a rich kid from Yale. And she kind of feels guilty for leaving Isaac behind because she knows Isaac is just as capable of going on to bigger and better things through college too. But that's part of the whole thing. So the one person who did make it out, she doesn't feel as guilty, but she feels she should feel guilty. And there's some resentment between her and Isaac. And there's just kind of some tension. Well, I mean, one thing, this isn't a spoiler. It's literally like the first sentence in the book. Um, Isaac decides to leave and steals money from his father who has been injured um, in an industry accident. And his mother had committed suicide um, mm-hmm. a few years earlier. So that, I mean, he's Isaac, our main character, incredibly smart, stuck in this town. His father's injured. His sister has left. His mother has committed suicide. I mean, it's just, it, it's a bleak novel overall. Mm-hmm. Um, if, yeah. if you're, I think we would both highly recommend you read this book, but, you know, go in knowing that it's, not happy and it takes a i would say an honest look at 
um, kind of middle class or I mean, former former middle class, you know, industry life. I guess. Yeah. No, it's an honest look at America. At mm-hmm. the cur- you can't. I. The subject matter of this novel, the types of things the characters go through, and by extension, the towns go through. I mean, the entire Rust Belt. I mean, this yeah. is true from Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, like, you know, Pennsylvania, yeah. up, you know, uh, New York State. It, it, it's like a really good, it's the best book I've read in a long, long time. It's really good. And it, I think it captures kind of, the moment we're in now, even though it's written in 2009, I think it gets at certain truths. It's just, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think it's really good on, on, you know, it delves into the personal, um, of these, of these characters lives. There's also, um, Billy's mom is a main, it's kind of a narrator. There's like five main narrators. Yeah. There's a sixth, but, um, yeah. let's give a, Isaac, let's do some- brief overview of the plot like okay. just the incident and just kind of mm-hmm. kind of the engine of the story and so it's kind of a little like it yeah, happens on like page 30 it's not a spoiler we won't yeah. spoil too much just heads up but so at the beginning of the novel isaac and billy isaac wants out and he's yep. planning on he steals like four thousand dollars from his father who he has a kind of a tense relationship with he's and never so, felt supported by by yeah him, I would yeah say. and you know uh so his dad or yeah isaac takes the money and then he goes at the, the novel starts and he's going to get his friend billy poe and they're gonna kind of run away together mm-hmm. isaac's gonna go he knows off to, he knows to billy California. doesn't have he knows billy doesn't really have anything going on so it's you know yeah and they kind of talked about it and i was gonna go out to california try to get into berkeley yep there's some sort of you know he wants to become an astronomer i yep. think and billy goes reluctantly you can tell billy thinks it's kind of silly but they're friends um for whatever reason actually he says in the book, one of the other characters, because you'd think this scrawny little nerdy kid and the, the hotshot football player, there's like an unlikely friendship, but is actually of that generation in town, they were the only two people, like they were like the most talented in their school yeah. at different things. And they kind of formed a connection. And so Isaac kind of drags Billy along. Billy's kind of almost like play acting. He doesn't really think Isaac's going to actually go. So he just yeah. kind of, and they walk through the woods and they end up resting at this abandoned factory. It starts to rain. And so they duck into this abandoned factory. And um, doesn't it happen? Three kind of drifters come in to the factory and it's Billy and Isaac are kind of trespassing on the drifters territory and things get a little tense and Billy is kind of hotheaded yeah. and well, kind of like, he won't back down. He'll start fights, you know, get into trouble rather than back down. Isaac ducks out because he can sense the fight coming and is like, hey, it's best just to leave. Isaac ducks out. Billy stays. And Isaac gets all frustrated and he's about to walk away. And he's like, no, I can't leave Billy there. So he kind of sneaks back in to the abandoned warehouse and sees that the drifters kind of have Billy in the chokehold and one guy is actually about to like cut him with a knife. So like Billy's about to be murdered basically. Yeah. And Isaac takes a steel ball bearing and throws it at one of the guys who's approaching Billy, probably about to murder Billy. Yeah. He kills the guy. Um, They call him the Swede. He's a big, tall blonde guy. Um, Yeah. So Isaac, winds up murdering this guy who's about to murder Billy. And then that's kind of the engine of the story. It's Billy gets blamed for it. Cause he kind of has a history of fights and stuff and they find a dead body. And, don't, and, and it's, it's, it's just, like his letterman jackets there. Yeah. And, so there's one evidence. of the, um, the other main characters is the kind of local sheriff, uh, yeah. Harris, Bud Harris, who, also makes a lot of interesting choices in this book. To mm-hmm. say the yeah, least. He's, yeah. Um, so yeah, the engine from that incident 
Billy is blamed. He, a year earlier, had probably should have gone to jail for an assault on a, um, another, a guy, a young kid his age. And uh, the, the sheriff, Bud Harris, kind of let him off leniently. Uh, the sheriff and Billy's mom have this sort of history. Uh, Billy's mom doesn't want to leave her kind of deadbeat husband. Um, which is, you know, the theme of, do you want to leave the town and the place and also the, the connection of the partner you have or the husband or wife, do you, mm-hmm. are you going to leave them basically? Yeah. Can you move no- on from a bad situation? And that's kind of the theme and everything springs from that. Yeah. yeah you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, so Billy, Isaac, um, Lee, Isaac's sister who has left, um, later on in the novel, she comes back uh, to kind of assess. And she has had, uh, even though she's married, she has a connection and a relationship with Billy. Um, so all these people are connected in various ways. Um, it is, yeah, I would say it's one of the better books I've read this year. And, and on the subject matter, one of the better books I've read about kind of this look at america i don't think it does anything there's no plot points or actions that felt odd or weird or or kind of like done for dramatic purposes or whatever um it just felt like an honest story i guess Mm -hmm. um i felt it felt true no one i wouldn't say anyone there's no like there's no happy ending there's no no one's like redeemed i don't know redeemed is the right word it it was a satisfying ending, I felt. Um, yeah. I won't give anything away. It wasn't, you know, it, was, it wasn't cinematic. It wasn't, but, but it felt real. It felt kind yeah, of... Yeah, a character uh, makes a choice. Yeah. And I think the reader is there to judge that choice, but... I'm actually we, kind of okay with it. Yeah, I, I agree, but... Things. Um, no, we can't, yeah. It's not, it's not black or white. It's gray, definitely, and he... Yeah. The other thing in this book is who are you going to protect, I guess, or who are you going to, a couple times in the book, it goes, it's either the Swede, the guy who gets killed or, you know, it's uh, um, Isaac, you know? Yeah. Would I trade the Swede for, you know, Isaac or Billy's life? No. And that's an uncomfortable thought to have, I guess, you know, you don't want to have someone killed or whatever, but Uh, but yeah. In a life it or was death. Self-defense. Yeah. And they kind of play, and they played it like young kids. Don't play it smartly. Mm-hmm. But um, what ends up happening, Billy gets blamed for it. And he winds up kind of going to jail. They arrest him. And the whole town knows that the sheriff has kind of been lenient with Billy in the past. And so he can't quite be, it, like it puts the sheriff in an awkward position. He can't be lenient again because everybody knows he's romantically involved. Billy's mom, Isaac, decides to finally make his break, and he actually does. He rides the rails, yeah. trying to get to California. This is that's its own little adventure. Yeah, I mean, I would, it, it's, it's an it's, adventure. It's traumatic. I would say it's traumatic. It's it's, uh, it's yeah. I would say it's really, honestly, and accurately told. Like he's always filthy he always feels like an outsider he he feels i mean desperation fear all the all it's not romanticized in any sense of the word you, you know no, he rides coal trains to michigan um, and it's he, he meets some shady people and that's an interesting thing about because both isaac and billy kind of get in their own way sometimes yeah um like isaac when he's riding the rails meets one character in particular called the Baron, kind of like a hobo. And you know, like you're reading it and you're like, okay, you can't trust this guy. Watch yeah. out. And you know, Isaac knows it too. And there's plenty of opportunities for him to separate from the Baron and mm-hmm. kind of get away. And he just, he kind of doesn't do it. He knows better. And it's frustrating to read, but it's also, if you remember yourself back when you were yeah. in your late teens, early twenties, it's like, yeah, that's what they kind Kind of get in their they own don't way. do i would say none of the characters do like heroic acts i think they they make mistakes in the novel they sometimes do good i guess i don't know their their decisions aren't 
sort sort of made like, or the book's not torn away so the, the you know the characters are sort of climbing to some you know great epiphany and they realize oh this is how i have to live my life there it's a struggle for them to figure out what to do and you know the setting basically has caused that i I would say um the setting of where they grew up and how that has impacted their parents and Mm -hmm. you know and, and them um yeah, and that that kind of goes into the the one of the larger themes of the book, just kind of because you can extrapolate this to the entire country, and it kind oh, of yeah. like American Rust. It's kind of the the title is the thematic like the American dream has kind of rusted, you know, this kind of part of the decay. And how do you how do you escape that when your whole way of life and everything you know is kind of decaying yeah. before your eyes? How do you escape from that can you get out without feeling guilt or without leaving people behind so i have some quotes here that i wrote down that i think are are um meyer does a great job of throughout the book having these sort of observations that are maybe obvious but smartly put and and i think well worth the reader's time one of them it goes um i can't remember who said this it goes the real problem is the average citizen does not have a job he can be good at you lose that, you lose the country. And I thought that was a good, great point. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, at this point, there's no jobs. You, you know, someone who's 20 or 21, there's no job for him to, or him or her to be like, okay, I can do this and, and yeah. become good at it. It's, there's deadbeat jobs or there's no jobs. Um, I think the major, one of the, the growing uh, sectors or whatever that's briefly mentioned is like home care because people are sick. Mm-hmm. it's an aging population so it's like you either become a home care person or there's nothing really else um yeah. i got a i got a good one along those lines i actually i had marked that that same quote too there's a couple of really good ones about along those lines here's another one it's um it was like this all up and down the river and many of the young people the way they accepted their lack of prospects it was like watching sparks die in the night. Just to get an office job, you had to go to college. There were not enough of those jobs to go around. There could only be so many computer programmers, only so many management consultants. And of course, those jobs are moving overseas now at the same rate they'd once ship the steel jobs. Um, that kind of paints a picture of just how, it's even if you went to college, it's kind of, um, you know, yeah. still a dead end. I mean, and all these people have dead end sort of lives and jobs. And then at one point in the book, it goes, there was something particularly American about it, blaming yourself for bad luck. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, I think that was a great point. You know, he says, you know, in other cultures or whatever, like they were revolt or. Oh yeah. That's I, I, I marked that one too. He's like in France, they'd set things on fire. Like they yeah, wouldn't stand instead but. in this community they just blame themselves and they kind of retreat into themselves it's a very everyone's very isolated um and it feels like they're mm-hmm. all alone and you know the, even yeah. the smallest human connection is is the characters are are worried that it's fleeting or it's or they've been burned once before or yeah all these but one of the things i liked i don't it wasn't it wasn't all bleak. I actually appreciated the Sheriff Harris and uh, Grace, uh, yeah. uh, Billy's mom. I appreciated their relationship because they actually kind of, it's a struggle for them. And their yeah. motives are unclear because the Sheriff's wary of Grace because it like she, she knows it's better him. for her son who's in prison for something she's convinced he didn't do to be friends with the Sheriff and to rekindle their romantic relationship. But the sheriff's also kind of a lonely guy who lives alone with his dog. It, but I appreciated the way it, it was kind of a very true. It, it was, uh, yeah, there was a very, it was not, it was complicated. Their past was complicated. Their story was, it was tender. They also they cared for each other. And once again, in this book, characters have to make choices. And the choices the sheriff has to make is, you know, does he do technical, quote unquote what uh, you know he should do or he's gonna make choices so he can maybe have a life with grace and yeah which would involve putting his career at risk to yeah help out. help out a kid he thinks is a shithead 
Yep. Like he, he's kind of – because this is like Billy's second or third strike. And even though the reader knows he didn't do it, you understand why the rest of the town is like, well, yeah, that's where that kid was headed. Because Billy gets in his own way too. He could have had a scholarship uh, to go to, I think it's Colgate University yeah, and play, play football. football. And he just didn't go. He just didn't do it. He wound up working at uh, Hardware, Ace Hardware. Yeah, boss. And Can you the first that job? Yeah, he quit. And then the first, like Isaac comes up to get him in that first scene. And he said there's a, you know, a pile of beer cans at his feet. And Billy's just trying to put off a plan to Walmart for as long as possible. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's I, kind of the, that's where Billy put himself. It's almost like the, the setting in everybody's lives, they have some sort of PTSD. You know, not, you know, that's sort of a term yeah. for like war or whatever, but a lot of these characters have just had, wow. you know, you get some of the backstory throughout the novel, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's a hard life with and I, that's no stability. That's, yeah. It, and that's what makes it true. That's what makes, I think that's what makes the novel so brilliant. And it's timely. I think it's one of those, it'll, it, it, it rings true now, 11 years later. I think it's going to be true 10 years from now. Yeah. I think. I mean, it, it, it really, yeah. If you don't have empathy or you lack empathy, you know, read this book a couple of times and, and learn how to have it. Because someone who doesn't understand would be like, well, why don't they just go? Why don't they make their decisions? And why don't they, you know, pick themselves up and it's just there's the the novel goes into numerous ways in which the characters are scarred and are floundering while also trying to find moments of uh, well, solace would you abandon you, you, yeah would you abandon your family i mean as flawed as it yeah. is the characters don't want to leave because it's their yeah their yeah. family one of the reasons isaac doesn't want to leave is you know his mom's committed suicide his dad is in a wheelchair and needs care. Um, so he has to grapple with dad, that. Yeah. And his dad's not, they don't get along. Yeah. His dad nope. is kind of a, a stoic, traditional American, prideful steel worker. Yeah. But, doesn't... And who kind of looks like, looks down on his kind of nerdy son. This kind of, even though the dad knows his kid's brilliant, he also, yeah. kind of, it was a kind of a cool, it was almost an aside. Because you get a little bit from the dad's point of view, yeah. But he knows his very kids end. Are genius. He hid the Isaac's IQ score. He says it was like one sixty-seven, but he didn't tell. Like Isaac doesn't know how high it was because his dad didn't want him to know. So his dad knew his future. Isaac's future was with his brain, but he also tells us like the dad is remembering back to little league. Like Isaac was in little league and pitched, and he had a good arm, but he you know he wound up allowing some runs. And then he said afterward, Isaac just didn't care. And then you get the dad, like his dad just was like aghast at that. Like, how could you not care if you lost a game? And Isaac just wasn't, his interest is in other things. And that's the disconnect. I mean, that was a, it was almost an aside, but I remember, I remember that part. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the disconnect between them. His what? dad thinks something wrong with him because he doesn't, he didn't care about losing a baseball game. And for as smart as he is with the genius IQ, that was still something he looked down on his, his own kid for. So that's kind of relationship. Yeah. Between well, there's, there's, there's the element of like, if you have a talent, let's say you're smart or you have a sports talent, the, the community almost assume, assumes at this point, you have to leave. And that puts, I think a lot of pressure on the characters. Cause you're like, okay, you know, the whole community is basically why are you here? You're better than us. It's it's very like self defeating, I guess, in a, in a sense. Like, it's like Goodwill Hunting. Exactly. <laughs> and, and another thing, they talk about this um, the factories or whatever. Um, at one point, it goes, "You cannot have a country not this big that didn't make things for itself." And how the factories stopped making things, and how they didn't invest in the factories. They just sort of let them like slowly, you know, become. Well, yeah, they let them be kid, but the owners shipped them overseas because they yeah. could make money. But yeah. they sacrificed, like a very few wealthy people in this country sacrificed entire towns, hundreds of thousands, mm -hmm. million, I mean, millions of people really for profit to make themselves yeah. wealthy. Oh, yeah. 
And that's, you know, and if you want to, what, what I'm kind of getting at and what I think, what I think makes this book so poignant and true, like it explains our modern current political predicament is you can't understand America without understanding the decay of the Rust Belt. All those factory jobs disappearing. It just, it's funny. Uh, One of the other quotes I have is from uh, Grace Poe from her perspective. And it's just 150,000 unemployed men didn't leave room for the good life. Mm. You know, I, you know, we have listeners, I think a, a few listeners from overseas and sort of like, there's no real one way to like portray America. I don't think there's too many areas no. and, and cultures and different, you know, types of people, but at like a sort of a basic core or whatever, I think this book does a good job of, of looking at that, at looking at, a part of, of a country that is tied whose whole identity is sort of tied to the industry. And then the industry just gets uh, wiped out and then, or not wiped out. It just leaves and, and there's no, 30, re, no reinvestment. 30, 40 years later, nothing's replaced it. No. no. And, and yeah, you're right. The, the nothing, there's no one book that can encompass the whole thing, but I think, this would go a long way to explaining. This is a, a huge part of it. This yeah, it, yeah, it goes beyond a, like a surface, um, you know, sort of a auto fiction look. If you you know, if we want to bash books, where I mean, this goes sort of into if you want to say there's a solar identity of a country, a part of a solar identity of a country. This would definitely be something that America doesn't really want to grapple with or kind of well, off or you know what it is it's a certain segment of the people who run this country yeah refuse to deal with it yeah you know the people living there deal with it that's, every day and that's what that's what Meyer brilliant like quite like brilliantly um the I mean, yeah but, I mean, the, the disconnect it lies in we we just haven't dealt with it it's just kind of an open it's you know the people have been used every you know political cycle someone comes in and says you know i'm going to do probably x y and z and get you back jobs and guess what after 40 50 years nothing's changed never happens Uh, well if you look at i read this book called meth land a couple years ago and it kind of deals with the same thing the ride the the meth epidemic mm -hmm. goes hand in hand with the closing of factories and and all this stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. the workers like the few factories that stayed, they got taken over by corporate interests. And so they, the corporations would come in and fire everybody, offer to rehire people, but at minimum wage, like five fifty an hour instead of the 20 or 30 they were making. And so a lot of people started doing speed mm-hmm. to work double shifts to make what they used to make in a normal eight hour shift. And then, you know, people, they call them deaths of despair. People just have nothing to do, no real purpose. And so it's all, it's all tied together. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. The more I think about it, I think, you know, it's, it's a very, I would almost say it's a very important book. I don't want to place too much like hyperbole about, you know, blurb speak or whatever. But when this book came out, you know, there were, um, let's see here. I have some things here. 2009 Los Angeles time book prize for first fiction. It is on the top 10 end of year list for the Washington post. Um, the paperback copy I have has probably 20 blurbs, uh, mm-hmm. on the first couple pages. So I think it's a, definitely a book. I, I hope, you know, it's, it came out 11 years ago, but I hope, I mean, they're making the, the TV series about it. So hopefully people come back to this book and sort of revisit it for years, I would say. Um, so. Yeah, it's good, very good. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. It's, it, it's interesting we read this in the order we did, like on the heels of, of uh, uh, the Topeka School. Oh, the Topeka yeah. School. Because <laughs> it, it really... Just having read them back to back, this book is everything the Topeka School tried to be. 
I mean, as far as the, the Topeka, yeah. the Topeka school was marketed as, and it was an attempt to explain the current American moment and like what happened, like why is, you know, and it's just, it's, I'm almost, I'm not even mad. It's just, it, I'm kind of embarrassed for the Topeka school <laughs> having read this. I mean, really, can you think yeah. with, with everything that goes on in this book and the despair and, you know, it, the unemployment, the decaying Rust Belt, to turn around and try to explain the current moment in America through high school debate, through the men. Well, I mean, I think the problem is, and and there's an interview kind of with uh, Phil Meyer in the back of this book where he he talks about, you know, do you use real people or real life people in your life and your books? And he says he doesn't do that. He just kind of, he makes them up and finds something that he identifies in the character in himself, I guess. And so since he gets, since he sort of imagines all these people, he can imagine a whole world or, or create a story. The problem with, I think, the Topeka school is when it's just basically your own life in auto fiction, you're, you're kind of very limited uh, to what's happened in your life. And then you take what's happened in your life and you try to add all this meaning to it. And it just doesn't, st- it doesn't, you know, it's like if you try to tape leaves to a tree or something like that. Yes, it doesn't, yes, exactly. there's just nothing. It doesn't work. No. It's not accurate. There is the difference. And Philip Meyer is quite clearly interested in other people and people outside mm-hmm. himself and how he, it took him like eight years to write this. I think he said, it I mean, just, yeah, he was flooding the area. He dropped out of high school. He goes, he works, um, you know, what, did he, what is it? He works in like, um, emergency rooms he eventually goes back to school at cornell he wants to become a writer uh, after he graduates high school he has an experience of being like a you know on the wall street sort of thing derivatives all that stuff that's sort of a soul-crushing idea yeah i worked on wall street for a bit he's an emt he works construction after that and then mm-hmm. he, he finally gets this book written so in my view and I don't think you're supposed to like look at an author's life and say, oh, he's going to write a good book or you know, if an author comes from pr- privilege, they're not going to write a good book. The thing is the experiences I feel like he's had, he has placed those into his, into this book, but not in an autobiographical way, just in I've met people or I've experienced things. And this is a, you know, this isn't exactly what happened in my life, but these are, you know, real things that I've experienced and I have felt empathy for people or I've, I've seen people who have it hard and this isn't my story. You know, I haven't, but this is yeah. sort of a lot of people's story, I guess. Yeah. It's how I would describe the difference between someone who's trying to base what's going on in America based on themselves versus looking at other people. I guess. Yes. Well, and yeah, I mean, and yes, that's it. Exactly. You have a story to tell that Mm -hmm. actually involves, you know, people outside your little world. And I think that that goes to the limits of auto fiction, but it also points to, because the Topeka school was kind of popular and blurred well within certain circles. And I think that speaks to the disconnect between what's going on and the people who just refuse to see, any sort of material explanation for our moment, you know, because, you know, debate and the spread, like high school debate being something that would explain America over the shuttering of factories and and millions of people being unemployed. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's insane. And it's, but it's, it's a real, it's a real disconnect. Yeah. Cause I don't think this book aims to have any answers either. There's it's no just idea. a well-told story. It's, it's, a, a, it's a story. It's a, you know, this is the story. I'm not going to, there's no point where the novel says, I'm going to solve this issue. I'm going to solve, you know, a, a worse novel would have been like, well, here's how, you know, this person's going to start, you know, retaking the yeah. factories and turning them into green spaces and making it all positive. There's very little. At one point, it says one guy worked in a factory for 20 years, and in the last 20 years of his, his working career, he, 
you work taking down those factories. Yeah, That's there's a whole, a whole industry built up of like going in and disassembling factories. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. so. No, it's a very, it's just a true look at a slice of life. And, and that's what, that's what good fiction can do. Cause this is literary fiction too. You know, this yeah. is a, this is a, a, a good literature, a well-told story can do a lot of things. It can give you just a true slice of life. And yeah. you know, it is it's very good. I, I saw some things where it says like stream of consciousness. I, Isaac's chapters are sort of like that. It, it's interesting. He sort of his, I guess his brain wavelength is a little different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like that. But if you're like worried that, that the book's not going to make sense, um, no, it makes, it's, it's, it's not. not, you know, James Joyce or something like that where you're kind of lost in, in text yeah. and, and stuff. This, it yeah. kind of jumps around, but you're not, when you're in Isaac's story, you never feel lost ever. No, it was actually pretty fun. It was compelling. Yeah. He just thinks differently. And I thought Philip Meyer did a good job. He kind of jumps around, but he's not jumping back in time. He's, it's, it makes sense. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, Isaac has a different way of thinking. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Matt, do you want to transition into, when we do our book club, uh, book of the month, we also want to talk about um, adaptations. Could they, are at, they have made an ad- adaptation of this for, I think, Showtime. That I don't think this has been released yet, but Jeff Daniels plays Bud Harris, the cop. He's sort of, from what it sounds like, he's the main character of the story, which is I thought was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but would you prefer this to be, or do you think this could be a movie or a TV show? I think we both would agree yes. Since they're, they're yeah, people. in general, yeah. But I actually... I think it would be a better movie. I agree. I was going to say that. I don't really think this is a TV series. Yeah. I mean, because it's interesting because most things now you go with series. Yeah. Because you just got a lot more time to explore. You can do more and and do the whole story, but. Yeah. Like I thought that was Flashman. I think that with most things is like good Mm -hmm. series, but this one actually, I think it's, it's got the kind of uh, engine, the story drive would be a pretty good movie. Yeah, I don't see – I never at one point got TV series from this book. Yeah. I did get movie. By the time I was all – I was like, what the – and I was thinking I knew we were going to talk about this. I got, oh, this is a movie. This is a two-hour, two-hour and 15-minute movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just didn't get – I mean, you could expand on it, I guess. And, and there's a lot you could do with the, the backstory of these characters and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I don't – I think that just adds – sort of fat to the story that, that was probably yeah, crazy at some yeah, point that doesn't need to be there because I was, I was reading about the the tv series and you can tell right away like they're gonna just reading the character descriptions they're gonna um kind of mess with it a bit okay like the character of the mom uh grace poe who's involved with the sheriff they made her a union organizer mm. so they're gonna uh, which is a fine thing to be in real life, but in the story, she just works. She's timid. She works part time at this. I think it sort of sounds like they're going to make them almost activists. Or well, I wonder if they're going to make it a little more rah rah, which is not what the book was. Like more Horatio Alger. The, the um, book is the rah rah stage is over. Yeah, the they're going to pull the like, area is dead. Yeah, it's it's you know, not post-apocalyptic or whatever, but, you know, the, these buildings are just rusted out. There's nothing there. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if I agree with the, if it's going to take the, the, the tone of, uh, you know, we're going to get our jobs back and get our industry back or. Yeah. And we'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll that see. Because yeah. they got to expand on it, but I don't know. And for the casting, yeah. I didn't see the sheriff. I thought more of like a Billy Bob Thornton type. Okay, I uh, yeah, my choice, and I think he's too old. But sometimes you did last time you went like, you know, historical actors or whatever. Yeah, I would say like a fifties or sixty-year-old Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. He's got he's got the wrinkles. He's got the worn. 
he's, he's got too that, old now though. He's like yeah, 80. He like he, Tommy Lee Jones almost in um, No Country for Old Men or a little bit earlier. Yeah, sort of. He he's grappling with things and he may make a a, a poor choice or a choice you know that goes against his job. So mm-hmm. that was my choice for uh, Bud Harris. Yeah, he but he's too old now. Him. But if you know, in a perfect world, I'd put sure. Tommy Lee Jones in a time machine, and we and we shoot his scenes. Yeah, twenty years ago, yeah. fifteen years. Fair ago. enough. Yeah, yeah, he could carry like the weightiness. I didn't have a Grace character because I didn't. I think the person on the is who was the I don't know who they the the cast for that one. It's I've heard of her, Maura Tierney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tierney. She's she. I think she's good cat. Like, I'm yeah. just nervous how they're gonna write the show. I think she's yeah. fine for for playing. Yeah. Uh, who did you have? Did you have someone for Lee Isaac's sister? I'm out of the loop for all the younger people. I don't know young actor. You I know? did uh, Jennifer Lawrence, but before she became really famous, she was in a, yeah. a uh, kind of gritty movie i can't remember what it's called winner's bone winner's bone yeah, yeah so sort of young you know she i think she plays smart but with regret i don't know yeah that's i didn't really know i didn't have one my best one i'll, I'll leave for last uh for poe but poe uh i don't think you've i don't know if you know this actor or seen this the tv show you ever watch friday night lights no taylor kitsch plays a kind of deadbeat football player who's really good and doesn't leave the town. So if you, if you know who Taylor Kitsch is, I, don't know, I think that's yeah, football player, like football player type. That's Poe. You just need some meathead. Yeah. Um, for Isaac, do you know who Paul Dano is? Yeah, actually. Skinny. I think he's a little too yeah. old right now, but when he. Well, now, yeah, but. You think he's like thirties. Um, 10 now. years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago. Actually, that's almost perfect. Yeah. Cause I thought Jesse Eisenberg, uh, you know, mm-hmm. guy who played the, from the social network. I would almost say a young Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe. Yeah. These are all, this is how out of the loop we are. These I know. Are we're naming who actors who are 40 to play a kid who's 20. 10, oh, but 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> if we could uh, cast this. I didn't have a director. I think any, I don't know. Any sort of serious, I don't know, Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, anyone like that. Gus Van Sant did like Good Will Hunting. He does like bum, like sad Bummer. stories. This, this would be a bummer if you did it. You know, I don't think this is. I wouldn't. It's not. I don't want to put people off by calling it like a bummer too much, but um, it's good. It's compelling. It's compelling. I agree. Five stars. Oh yeah, five stars. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd recommend it to, to people. Definitely recommend. Uh, any other thoughts? Any questions? Anything you wanted to bring up before well, we were done with this episode? No. Um, and Isaac, in his when his he's narrating kind of his own story in his head. He calls himself the kid. I was yeah, wondering if you that. thought that was it's not Isaac referencing, but do you think Philip Myers making a kind of oblique reference to Blood Meridian? He does, he does mention McCarthy as a uh, as a influence, and then in Blood oh, Meridian, yeah. the, the kid doesn't have a name; he's just the kid. That's interesting. I, well, I didn't, that didn't even himself. occur to me. Yeah, I wonder if it's direct. Like Isaac, the character would not ha- be referencing this, but I just wonder if Phil Myers no, kind no, of. That's, yeah, I didn't, that's a good point. I don't know. You read The Sun, right? How would yeah. you compare the two books? The Sun's great. The yeah. Sun's really good. I was actually reading up on Philip Meyer, and it, it's it's kind of uh, he's working on a third novel. I heard that it should come and out next year. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, this is kind of a loosely based trilogy on he's because I think he's trying to describe America or get to like the root of the American experience, or as best as you can tell it. You know, like yeah. that's worthy project for an ambitious author and so that's what he's kind of trying to do and the sun does that like having read this you can kind of see like okay this is because the sun takes place is that it's a western a, it's a it's story it's like a three-tiered structure yeah. so one part of it is a kid in texas in the 1840s 
settler parents and he gets kidnapped by Comanches and so kind of learns the ways of the Comanche and then ends up um, when all the Comanches kind of get smallpox and die he winds up going back to civilization and starts his big old ranch and then the second tier is the kid his name's Eli who was kidnapped by Comanches as an old man and his son kind of runs the ranch in Texas in the 1915s, right as oil is starting to become a thing. Okay. And so the third tier is his, the main character's granddaughter, okay. who is trying to run an oil empire in the 1950s. And it's kind of just, and it weaves in and out. So it's a multi-generational. Yeah, and it's, it's great. Okay. It's, it's great. And it's kind of, that tells its own story of where America came from or a part of it combined with this. I'm actually looking forward to the third one. I think okay. yeah, whenever that comes out, I'll buy it. But. Yeah. I have the sun. I just, uh, I had bought the sun. And I think American Russ relatively close to it at, or at the same time. Cause I saw you had given this is before we had the podcast, like five stars to the sun. Yeah. The sun's great. The sun's great. It seemed like these books would be right up my alley and I was not disappointed at all. So, yeah. Well, having, having read this, like Philip Meyer's kind of on my list of people who, whatever they write. Oh yeah. I'm in like, yeah, this was, yeah, this Philip Meyer, I I'm signing up for your book club. So yeah. Like I don't need to read the blurbs or even know what it's about. (laughs) It's just like, okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, th- I think that'll about do it for uh, American Rust. We will uh, uh, later or in the next week or in a couple of days, we will be uh, choosing our October book club book. Uh, what we do is we each have three nominations and then we kind of debate which book we'll pick. So we'll have that come out in the next couple of days. And then we also have our fall book club, which is the Count of Monte Cristo which is uh, we'll probably talk about in a couple of months or a month or so that mm-hmm. our fall book club covers September, October, November. So a big, a big book. We're going to have to both buckle down and uh, yeah, you, you'll read 600 pages and you're about halfway done. So anyway, <laughs> we are on uh, Instagram uh, posting pictures of books and our animals and beer and all sorts of things. So check us out there. We're also on Goodreads, uh, where we write reviews, and we have an email account at willbebooks at gmail.com. So those are kind of the various ways you get in contact with us. Uh, Any last thoughts, Matt, before we sign off? No, no. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, good good reading weekend. We appreciate each and every one of you. (laughs) I second that. Thanks. (laughs) 